Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast, and it is game week. Finally, it is game week, and Isaac Trotter and I are ready to talk about it with you. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, and Isaac, I'm getting antsy, man. Previewing's fun. Training camp's fun because we get some great stories. We get to know this team a little bit. But it's time for games, man. It's time to react and write about what actually happens on the field. I'm, I'm getting itchy here. Yeah, exactly. This is the best time of the year. I mean, tonight there's a couple college football games on that got me excited a little bit. And then on Saturday we get to finally be there, see the game environment. And you've heard so much talk throughout this entire offseason, and now it's time to see if it actually pays off. So this is the most exciting time of the year for me personally. I think this is going to be a a really fun day on Saturday. Just kicks off a a really busy schedule, but busy is good and busy is fun, and I'm, I'm ready for it to get rolling. Yeah, I think what we're going to do for football weeks is is record something Thursday or maybe at the latest Friday so people can kind of listen to this on uh, their ride to the game or their drives on Friday, Saturday. Then we'll do a quick post-game pod. won't be as long, but we'll give some quick reaction. Uh, we'll miss, mix basketball in there as well as it comes up. We'll chat about that a little bit for today. But uh, today my plan is we'll look quickly on the whole season, the big storylines. We'll preview Akron. We'll break that down a little bit. But coming up next, Isaac, we got to react to this big basketball news because it was a huge surprise. We'll talk about that after a quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's get into it. Uh, I didn't think basketball would make probably the biggest news. Hopefully uh, football keeps that that way instead of a, uh, in- instead of a surprise maybe loss to, to Akron. But what a big shakeup on the staff for Brad Underwood. Uh, moving Jamal Walker, uh, reassigning him from assistant recruiting role Isaac to all of a sudden now he's uh, assistant to the head coach, uh, defensive coordinator. They kind of just made up this role. This was a pretty big shock when, when I saw this in my email, uh, and I know Derek Piper was as well. Yeah, this is really shocking. I mean, you, you think about, about what Jamal Walker was for Illinois for the last few years, and he was kind of that go-to recruiter that they had uh, on John Gross's staff, probably the best recruiter on that staff. And then he, you kept him on because you had Jeremiah Tillman, who you thought was that was your connection with him. You're pushing for Mark Smith, who he had an impact with. E.J. Liddell is another guy that he had really good relationships with and, and put a lot of work, a lot of time into that recruitment. So you kind of understood why Brad Underwood kept him on his staff originally. But to get this news right now at this time of the year is kind of odd. That, that's the thing, right? That, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's the timing. The, the timing yeah. more than anything is the big shock here because if he had hired Stephen Gentry, a guy that knows his system, is a bright X's and O's guy, I've had a little bit of interaction with him, and I'm really impressed by him. Um, he's a young guy, knows this system inside and out, and for a big year, you want to make sure you're covered up because this defense has been terrible. And, and if you think he can correct some of those things and maybe you know coach a little bit better than Jamal can uh, and, and maybe recruit a little bit better than Jamal can, but, but the timing of this is what's so interesting. Isaac because is this because Ryan Kalkbrenner has gone sour and and Brad's just like well the St. Louis thing hasn't worked whether it's my fault whether it's Jamal's fault whether it's all of our faults it just hasn't worked and and maybe this isn't where I want to go 
anymore. Um, is that the timing of it or is there something else? Because there is something they're not telling us. I don't expect them to tell us, but there is some key piece of information here about why this is happening now rather than April or May. I don't know if it's coming from Brad's end or Jamal's end or Whitman's end, whatever it is. Uh, but to create a new position like this, that's expensive. Right, so so Whitman had to sign off on this and and thought it was worthy. So that to me just creates even more questions. And again, I'm not sure we'll get them, but it certainly feels like Jamal Walker uh, won't be around here that much longer. Yeah, no, this feels like next year at this time Jamal Walker's not going to be at Illinois. I mean, he's going to move on to a, a different scene. I think he wants to be a head coach. That that makes a lot of sense for him. But for this to come right now makes me think, okay, th- this is weird, right? This is this isn't quite right. And I'm not sure what the answer is. Like you said, I don't, I don't know if we ever will get the answer. And I think the Ryan Kalkbrenner thing is a big deal because you missed out on E.J. Liddell. Mark Smith didn't work out. Jeremiah Tillman didn't work out. Kalkbrenner doesn't work out. So if you think that you can add a guy like Gentry from a program like Gonzaga, who is an extremely good program, you have a relationship there between Underwood and Gentry, and you feel like this is a situation where you can't pass that up, I get that. But this is odd. This doesn't make a lot of sense. We're not going to get a lot of answers. And this was supposed to be in kind of year three where Illinois feels really good about where everything's going. And I still think I do feel good about it. But this just kind of adds another weird, weird dilemma on this on this coaching staff. And I I thought that they were kind of in lockstep with with what they were needing to do. And and this is just interesting and kind of odd and maybe a little bit awkward, too, to have another assistant added to the mix. At the same time, maybe it's necessary because let's be honest with you, this staff, there's some encouraging things about the roster they now have going into year uh, three of this staff, but this is a staff that never had worked together. None of these guys had worked together before, and Brad had never had any of them on staff. But we see what Orlando's done in recruiting, right? He's brought in some real talent here. We've seen what uh, Jim Coleman's done, bringing in a prospect like I would assume we haven't seen and and some other really good prospects as well. Um, Jamal hasn't. Right, and whether that's his fault, whether that's Brad's fault, whether it's the whole staff fault, they've been able to get those guys. And Jamal really was. Brad had a lot of pressure to keep him, to keep Jeremiah Tillman, to keep Javon Pickett, to get Mark Smith, and eventually to get EJ Liddell, and that hasn't worked out. So again, it's not a big surprise that that Brad would move on from that. But you would have thought maybe April or May. And Stephen Gentry, I, I'm excited about him. I know he doesn't have a long recruiting record, but if you have Antigua and you have Chin Coleman uh, that, that can do well with that, and if you have Gentry who can really sell Brad's system to maybe more skilled guys that he's recruited down in Texas. I know he spent a lot of air, time around there. But, you know, coaching is part of the assistant role, too. And uh, this is a guy that was on Brad's original staff. And, hey, if Mark Few thinks he's a good basketball mind and brought him on as director of basketball operations and and he played a a part in that staff, uh, I I think that's a good experience for Gentry, who was a Gonzaga basketball player um, and, and was an alum there. So that's his alma mater. I'm encouraged by him. Like, I think that's a, that's a solid makes sense hire. It's just with Jamal still on staff. Yeah. It's, it's just a little weird, but I think it does tell you a little bit about urgency with this staff, maybe a little bit. Yeah. And I also do think that this is a good thing for Brad Underwood. It, it, it is a good sign for him that Gentry recognizes how good of a coach he is and recognizes that he wants to leave Gonzaga and come back and coach for him. So I think that is a good thing. A, a kind of understanding good basketball minds want to be together and sometimes Brad's personality could make you think that he's not the easiest to work with because he tough nose see this move makes you 
see, okay, Gentry really prioritizes and, and appreciates what Brad is and knows that he wants to learn underneath him. So I think this is a big boy move. It is showing that there is some urgency. There is showing that Illinois maybe doesn't want to be in the middle of June and July adding guys to their roster. They've done a good job of doing that, but this isn't what they want to do every single year. Right. And they need to revamp the staff in order to have this, have, have these situations not come up anymore. And if that's Jamal Walker, then that's the fix that you have to do. And, and, and Brad Underwood is showing that he's playing big boy basketball right now and going out and getting a big name that needs to add to the staff and can add and help this defense be one of the better defenses in the Big Ten next year. I'm sure some people are listening to this podcast hoping for that key piece of information of why. Uh, I, I don't know exactly why, right? Like that is they, they can spin and say this is the best thing for Jamal Walker in his long term. I don't buy that. Uh, I don't think this is best preparing him for a head coach. I think that's what an assistant coach role is. Uh, you got to be a recruiter, right? And, and Jamal, that was thought to be one of his strengths. So I don't buy that. I, I don't buy the timing of that. Um, so whether it's a personal thing or whether it's uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just this, we don't have that key piece of information. And I don't know if we will, but uh, it's definitely a big shakeup for the staff and was going to be a huge year for Illinois basketball and Brad Underwood's tenure. All right, when we come back, guys, let's talk football. Let's break down the big narratives of the season as we enter week one, and then we'll break down the Akron game as well. That's next. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Isaac Trotter, this is our last bit of preview, right, for the year. But for people that always think macro, not, not the micro of games, not breaking down game film, let's break down some of the biggest storylines of this season. I have five, and, and you can toss some things in here if you want, but my number one story of, of this season isn't the quarterback. Uh, it, it's not Brandon Peters. For me, it's, it's Lovey Smith taking over this defense, right? A, a head coach that's calling the defensive plays, um, we know what the, the defensive hires he made on the staff, Kinoto Hudson, Miles Smith, his son. It's all on him, man. He's calling the plays. If his defense sucks again, which it did last year, right, why would he still have a job next year? But uh, I'm really interested to see how it changes. We saw some changes last year. We saw some changes in camp. But this offense can just be stagnant, right, the same as last year and maybe in different ways, and we'll get into that. But if the defense doesn't improve, it doesn't matter. And if the defense doesn't improve, it makes you question whether – well, it really makes you question why Lovey Smith would be the guy the next year. Yeah, look, they're saying everything right in the offseason, right? They've, they've talked about – they've embraced the fact that their defense stunk last year and they've used it as motivation. I mean, you, you see their new meeting room and the defensive meeting rooms. There's 128 is on the wall after what they finished last year in, in total defense. So you're starting to see them say the right things, but now it's time to do it, right? And after the injury to Marquez Beeson and the injury to Bobby Roundtree, that's really taken a little bit away from what you think about this Illinois defense. But at the end of the day – They've improved their athleticism with the additions of Wale Batiku at defensive end and Milo Eifler at linebacker. They're uh, older, a whole, whole year older. Nate Hobbs gets another year under his belt. Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, Tony Adams, Dele Harding, Jake Hansen, and all those defensive linemen are a year older. And so now it's time to go out and show it. And, and I talked to Jamal Woods about this 
at practice on Wednesday. And he, he talked about how Lovey Smith is more energetic about practice this year and about the defense. He's putting a lot more emphasis on pressure and, and bringing extra blitzes, whether that's from linebackers or dialing up maybe a nickel blitz or a corner blitz sometimes. And Jamal is saying the right things as well, saying he thinks this defense, and quote, this defense is ready to eat. Well, yeah, that's great. Now the table's set. Now you got to go and do it, right? You have to show the proof that that's in the pudding. And that's the biggest thing I'm looking for as well, too. I mean, it is all about the defense, because if the defense doesn't improve, it doesn't matter if your offense scores 35 points a game, because if your defense is giving up 63 three times a game like last year, Illinois is going to be 4-8, and eight, and it's probably going to be a coaching change, and it's going to mean this roster kind of endures a lot of turmoil over the next you know, 365 days. Yeah, the one thing I, I think we got to be encouraged about what we saw uh, during training camp, Isaac, I, I thought it was a much better defense. I thought the defense won many more days than it won the year prior. And I, I thought the beginning of camp, which is usually the case, uh, the defense was pretty far ahead of the offense. And then the offense kind of hit its stride with a new quarterback and all that. But even Rod Smith said, you know, we won most days last fall. That wasn't the case. It went back and forth. And I think that's a good sign. I think it's a sign that maybe you have a competitive defense. And, yeah, we did see more pressure. And I'm interested to see that on the field this year. All right, my number two one is transfers. Um Six starters are probably going to be transfers on Saturday, right? Uh, quarterback Brandon Peters, two wide receivers from USC, Imator Bebe and Trayvon Sidney. Um, offensive lineman Richie Pettibon, defensive end Wally Batiku, and linebacker Milo Eifler. So the other guy is Luke Ford, and he probably would start if he were eligible, right? So seven of the top 12 ranked guys in the team rankings of, of prospect rankings here on Illinois are transfers. And in the team uh, talent rankings, which 24-7 Sports just updated, Illinois jumped from 61 last year to 37, almost mostly, almost completely, because of those guys along with Marquez Beeson and Isaiah Williams. This team is more talented, Isaac, and it, it got older, right? Like, and these guys are going to make a huge difference in the final win total. Absolutely. I mean, you see what these transfers have done, and you look at your depth chart right now. Like, speaking of age, you're – all of your wide receivers are juniors, right? You're, you have one sophomore that's starting on the offensive line, and that's a redshirt sophomore in Kendrick Green. He's been there and done that. You have one sophomore starting at tight end in Daniel Barker. That's nine starters on offense that are juniors or seniors, right? That's a good problem to have. Same thing on defense, about eight or nine guys that are going to be adults and 21 years old, and that matters, right? We talk so much about how experience happens, and, and it was good for those youngsters to play, but that, that's not what they needed to do, right? That's not something that they would have liked if they did. They just had to do it in that, in that time because they were the best players on the team. And this is a situation where all of those two years have paid off for this, right? You did all of those tough stuff. For now, right? You, you threw Vanarian Lowe and Alex Palcheski into the fire against Iowa for this moment. And now those guys are 20. Now they're 21. And these transfers have given a solid base. Illinois had a solid roster already. But you add six transfers, six transfer starters into the mix there, that just gives them a little bit of an elevation. And there are still holes on this team. I still think that there's some major issues. The schedule's tough. But Illinois is much better. And the talent rankings that 24-7 have, have showcased are evidence of that and now it's time to go out and prove it i don't think all six of these transfers are going to be stars but i think four or five of them can be pretty good and that's a really good hit rate for the transfer market i mean i think what six all six guys though are top 25 players on your team yeah i agree with that easily yeah so i i, I think they're all going to make huge impacts and i i, I think 
this roster, I, I don't know if it's solid without these guys. I think they absolutely needed uh, these pieces. Um, otherwise, you'd be playing a lot of young guys. And then this kind of goes in. You kind of went over some of the roster and how old it is. One of my other storylines and narratives was you have 47 upperclassmen now compared to 24 a year ago. That, that should show up on the field. I mean, maturity, both physically and mentally. I mean, the time in the system. They're in the second year of Rod Smith's offense. This shouldn't be as difficult for them to, to comprehend, and they had success with it last year. You have Lovey Smith calling this defense now the third year, most of these guys, and fourth year for some, that they've been in this system. You, sh- you have no freshman starters on this team, right? And, and I, I know we're kind of getting used to that, um, and Marquez Beeson would have played a huge role. We'll see about Isaiah Williams, some of the other guys that, that can make an impact here. Um, so you'll have like a handful play, but maturity, right? It, it, as you said, it, it's time for that to show up on the field. It's time for Illinois not to make the key mistakes and the penalties and all those different things that young rebuilding teams do. It's time to look like a veteran team. Well, and another thing that I, I just think about is they went through those wars, so now there's a chance for they understand what they need to do in those late-game situations. Now I, I don't think you'll see a panic and we talk about freshmen not starting. Another thing is there's not a ton of freshmen in the two deep either. Look at linebacker. Tariq Barnes is the only linebacker that's, that's in the two deep. None of the freshman defensive linemen are in the two deep. Barely any freshman on the offensive line or running back or wide receiver in the two deep. I mean, Casey Washington maybe might be in the two deep there. There's a couple. There's one, Devin Witherspoon, in, at corner. So just not to only have no freshman starters, but only have three freshmen in the two deep is super, super important because they can mature, they can evaluate, they can grow a little bit, they can get coached up. And now it's time for the upperclassmen to play like it. You're supposed to play like it now. And I think you'll see that on Saturday because this Akron program is a little bit in a rebuild. They still have some decent seniors, but they lost a lot from this defense. So I don't think Illinois is going to be in a dogfight late in the fourth quarter like the last two years against a a lower-tier MAC team. I think they get a kind of showcase that, hey, we're the Big Ten team. We're going to flex our muscles a little bit on Saturday. All right, my other one, let's finally get to the offensive side of the ball. I I have confidence Rod Smith will have a competitive offense. I think this running game is going to be really good, even if the big play isn't there quite as much. But how does this offense look without a running quarterback, right? I I mean, Rod Smith can talk about, hey, I just need a guy who can be accurate, all those different things. But he's always usually had a running quarterback. A new Solomon had a year where he was pretty good and Arizona was really good. But uh, I remember Tim Banks, we used to ask him the question when Wes Lunt and Riley O'Toole were kind of going back and forth, whether, whether he'd rather prepare for a pocket pass or a dual threat guy. And he said, on the record or off the record, right? And Wes was usually the better quarterback. It was clear in practice, but Riley just gave them a lift, and and it's harder to prepare. It's harder to scheme for a running quarterback because they can just do things. So, uh, But Peters was obviously the best quarterback, right? He was making the best decisions, didn't make mistakes. But this offense will change a little bit. Maybe that's for the better with a more balanced attack, better passing game. But that will be interesting to watch, Isaac, especially when we get into Big Ten play where these athletes are really good and maybe they can get after Peters a little bit. Yeah, I have no question that Brandon Peters is going to be solid and not make a ton of mistakes and not throw a crap ton of turnovers or uh, interceptions or anything. But I, it feels like I, I'm, I'm still wondering where comes 
the explosiveness, right? Where's those 25, 30-yard runs that we saw from A.J. Bush last year? Is, are you going to get that in the passing game this year? And I don't know yet, and, and that's, a, that's a thing that we'll have to see. And I do think that the running game is going to be good, but when you have an RPO or when you have those read options, eventually sometimes Brandon Peters is going to have to take that and run because you can't have defensive ends crashing off the edge every single time knowing that you're going to hand the ball off to Mike Epstein or Reggie Corbin, right? You have to pull that out of the running back's belly and take it for six or seven yards just to keep them honest. And I think Brandon Peters can do that, but he's never going to have that explosive run away from you speed. He's never going to be the guy that's going to rush for 100 yards in a game like A.J. Bush did multiple times last year. So that's a big concern for me. But I do think that the additional weapons in the passing game, Daniel Barker's improvement as a pass catcher, should open up some more running lanes for this running team. I think Illinois will be more balanced. Rod Smith wants to be more balanced, and I think you'll start to see that a little bit more. And like Rod Smith said, a balanced offense doesn't mean that it's a 50-50 split. It just means that you can run the ball whenever you want and you can throw the ball whenever you want on any down. And Illinois wasn't able to do that last year. I think you'll start to see them take some steps towards doing that this year. Yeah, I think it'll be a more consistent offense, right? I don't think you'll get shut out um, like you were last year. I mean, there were some bad performances. Purdue, uh, Iowa come to mind. Um, I, I don't think you'll make as many key mistakes, but will you be as explosive? I, I think that's a fair question uh, for this offensive group going into the season. My last one, Isaac, is as much uh, as much as progress as you made on offense, uh, the defensive you know, regression was, was so big that the scoring margin, I, I don't know how much better that team was actually last year than the year before. It was more entertaining, right? They won one more game, but or a couple more games, but the scoring margin was still minus 20.3 last year. That's still not a very competitive team, obviously. And uh, Big Ten play, it was, it was worse. So six wins is obviously the goal, and I think that's a fair goal. It's a fair expectation for this program right now, even though the Big Ten West is really difficult. But that scoring margin is going to tell a lot, I think, for me. Um, so if it's a five-win season, but the scoring margin's really close, I think that's going to matter. And it's going to tell us, uh, I think, watching the games and how they play out and how close they are, I think that is a huge uh huge part of Josh Whitman's ultimate decision after this year, if he's even going to have one, right, is how competitive is this team? How close are they to a breakthrough? Because you look at that 2020 roster, and it's the best roster Illinois is going to have in a decade, right? So if they're close, if they feel like in 2006, when Ron Zook's team was losing by 7, 10 points a game to really good teams, then you can buy into 2020 can be a really special year. Yeah, and because the reason why you can buy into 2020 possibly being a special year is because most of pieces of this offense isn't going anywhere. I mean, we talk so much about how Brandon Peters is holding the job right now for Isaiah Williams to take over, and a lot of people have talked about Isaiah Williams could be the starter by the end of the year. And that's very fair. But we can't forget that Brandon Peters is not here for one more year. He's here for two years total, right? And it, it, this isn't just an A.J. Bush thing where he comes in and plays 12 games and then is gone. So he can grow and develop and improve. So I think how it looks matters a lot. We said that last year. How it looks really matters a lot. And the wins certainly were there. You know, you double your wins from 2017 to 2018. But how it looked on the, on the field, I mean, 63 nothing was a horrible look. 63-33 to Maryland was a horrible look, and that game wasn't as close as the final score kind of indicates there. Purdue, 46-7. Penn State, 63-24. to I mean, I get that, that that was a good game going into the fourth quarter, but they still scored, what, 42 points unanswered in the fourth quarter? That, that's just not good enough anymore. 
So I, I do expect Illinois to play with more teams this year. But again, is Illinois going to be able to go on the road to Iowa and be competitive? They haven't proved that at all throughout Lovey Smith's tenure. And, and that's why this year's such a big year for the future of this program and for what Josh Whitman should do after the season. All right, well, you got to take step one, and that's taking care of business against Akron at home. When we come back, let's preview that game. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, uh, Akron, 18-point underdogs against Illinois. And, boy, a couple big betters in Vegas think that should be a bigger spread. As I've now seen three $55,000 bets. It makes you wonder, Isaac, like, is the entire Akron roster going to be there? Is there is there something we don't know that the Sharks in Vegas know? But uh, some confidence on Illinois there. And, and I like that spread. Uh, I'm not a better myself. And even if I were, I shouldn't bet on Illinois games. Uh, but I like Illinois coming into this game because – They've had, obviously, weeks to prepare. They're kind of in their system. They're a veteran team. they got a lot to prove. They have their, what, 23-game win opening home opener win streak going on here. Um, I really like Illinois' chances here, especially because you look at Akron. There's a coaching change. The offense scheme changes. Defensive scheme changes, which I know makes the Illinois coaching staff a little skittish coming into this one, and I'm sure there will be a feeling out process here. But you've kind of broken down this Akron roster with all the players. I have two. There's not a lot there that scares me. No, I mean, they have a couple really solid players at the top. I think Alvin Davis Jr. is probably the, the one name to watch, a senior cornerback who is an absolute stud. I mean, he returned two touchdowns for interceptions last year against Northwestern, which helped Akron pull off that upset victory. But, the, again, Akron's pick to finish fifth in their division in the MAC, and Illinois finished, predicted to finish last in the Big Ten West, but I still feel like these programs are headed in very different directions. I think Akron's entering a kind of a rebuild right now. They're going to have to start over. They're kind of, you know, they have a whole new defense this year with after they lost eight starters from last year. Their three-time all-MAC linebacker is gone, so they have to replace him too. So I expect Illinois to play well I mean I'm not a, a big better either on college football so if, if, if I was looking at that line though I think Illinois minus 18 is probably a good line I don't have $55,000 to plunk down on it on it but I could see why some people could hop in on that but I, I, I also see the other side where there's a pause to by this because remember Illinois two years ago against Ball State it was 24-21 last year against uh, against Akron, it wasn't even great either. Oh, wait, no, Kent State last yeah. year was, wasn't great either until late in the game where A.J. Bush has to bring them back and, and win at near the end. So I get the pause for concern, but again, Illinois, their roster is much better. Akron's lost so much from that team last year. I expect Illinois to roll. What's the biggest thing we're looking for in this game? Because if they win, and, and say it's 14 or whatever, say it's 28, that doesn't matter. What can we actually take away from this game, Isaac? What I want to see, more than anything, I'd rather see a 24-10 win than than a 48-35 win. 
to be honest with no, you. I, 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 I want to see the defense just dominate because it might not tell me that they're going to be able to stop Nebraska in a couple weeks. It might not tell me that they're going to stuff Eastern Michigan in a couple weeks. But to me, I just want to see them come out with that. Like all this talk about we're better, all this, show it. You are, you are full of power five prospects now in that defense. The defensive line wasn't all that impressive during camp. But come on, I mean, these are power five prospects. You got a secondary that might not be very deep, but boy, there's some NFL guys back there, especially Nate Hobbs. The linebackers are veterans. This is a group that should dominate this Akron team. And I'm not trying to sell them short, but it's time for Illinois to look like a Big Ten defense just blanketing a bottom-tier MAC offense. Yeah, we're on the exact same page. I think the biggest thing that I'm looking for is a pass rush. Does it exist? Because I expect Illinois' offense to get a lead. I expect them to play well offensively. Ron Smith's scheme is going to give Akron's defense fits. And so Akron's going to be throwing the football a lot. And I want to see Isaiah Gay, Owen Garney, and Wally Batiku and Io Shrakbanyo, those four defensive ends, they're all juniors. It's time to showcase that you guys can get a pass rush. And, and Bobby Roundtree's such a huge, huge loss. But you can go out on, on Saturday, and if they get – four or five sacks and they're very disruptive that would tell me a lot and tell me okay maybe what we saw in training camp was just the fact that Alex Falteski and Vidarian Lowe are really really good big 10 tackles and it's tough to get around them but against lower you know maybe inferior competition they're able to flex their muscles a little bit so I, I agree I think it's the time for the defense to show it that's the biggest thing I'm looking for again if the, if the offense goes out and scores 48 points and Illinois wins 48-41 I'm going to be very concerned in the in the press box that that you know what the, how many points is Nebraska going to put up on you? How many points is Iowa going to score on you this year? How many points is is Michigan going to put up on you on the Robert Rosenthal day? So that's going to be very very interesting to watch. But if Illinois' defense comes out and plays well, that's a great step in the right direction because this defense needs confidence and they don't have it at all. Yeah. Right? You have some confidence after when you're zero and zero and don't have a loss. But again, Illinois hasn't really flexed their muscles defensively in a really long time, and Saturday can be a, a big positive step forward. All right, I'm, I'm going to ask you your pick to click on offense and defense, but I think we both basically had the same uh, score prediction. Uh, I picked 42-17. I expect a little bit of defensive struggles, but I do expect the run game to, to really just kind of roll over uh, Akron. And I wrote the key to, to, to the game. Just don't commit turnovers. I mean, Northwestern was up 21-3 until they committed three turnovers, and Akron scored on all of them. That tells you what went into that upset loss. A lot of luck there for Akron, but a lot of mistakes there uh, from Northwestern. Um, so what was your score prediction? And give me uh, your pick to click on offense and defense, and I'll give mine. Yeah, so 40-20 to 20 was my prediction. I think, again, Illinois runs the football really well. I'm concerned about the red zone offense a little bit, so I could see them settling for a few field goals when they get down there. But I, I, overall, I think the offense has a good day. I think the defense gives up a couple early scoring drives but then later in the game maybe in the fourth quarter when the second and third string guys are in the game when the freshmen get to play using that four game limit then you could see Akron score attack on a late touchdown but pick to click all right so on offense I think the guy that I'm really looking forward to Reggie Corbin's easy choice but I'm really excited to see what Mike Epstein can do and how much he's used in this offense if it's a timeshare with Reggie Corbin if they're each getting about 15 carries a piece that might be bad for fantasy football, but I think it'd be really good for Illinois' offense that both of those guys are, are going out and playing really, really well and each getting those type of touches. Defensively, I think that uh, Wale Batiku is probably my man to watch 
after Bobby's injury, you just need a defensive end to step up so badly. This guy has all of the measurables, right? Six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds, five star prospect, number fifteen overall prospect in his class, USC guy. And he, he looks the part, and if he comes out and plays the part, it could be a really special year for him. Yeah, you and I are on the Epstein train. I, I think he's going to have a really good year if he stays healthy. I think uh, he can top 100 total yards tomorrow. And I, and I think Corbin will have a good day too. But, uh, you know, Epstein, I've been on that train since I saw him to start camp. He looks good. And it's a reminder how good he is. He had three games of 100-plus total yards last year, and he really only played uh, ex- extensively in five of them. So uh, I think he'll have a good start to the season. Defensively, I'm going to go with Dele Harding. I, I think he's had the best offseason of all the defensive players. I, I mean, Nate Hobbs is up there too and Tony Adams had a really good training camp and you know I, I think there's some other guys who've been good but Deli Harding in the middle of that defense I think he's going to rack up tackles I think he's going to lead this team in sacks this year I think we'll see that on display with a, with a more aggressive defense uh, on Saturday so I'll go Deli Harding on that side of the ball uh, before we get out of here Isaac we got, we got to go nitty-gritty you and I can't not do that which freshman play which freshman do you have that'll actually play in this game because you get four games to play with here Okay, so Casey Washington's going to play. Tariq Barnes is going to play. Matt Judd, the walk-on, is definitely going to play and probably on special teams. Um, I think Kyron Cumbie gets onto the field for some punt returns or kick returns, and he'll play. Shimon Cooper will play. Uh, I don't think any of the defensive linemen play, but I wouldn't be shocked if Keith does. I wouldn't predict it, Keith Randolph, but I, I wouldn't predict that those three play. None of the offensive linemen will play. I don't think Isaiah Williams plays, not because he's, you know, not not because he's bad or anything, but I, I, I could just see a situation where Brandon Peters needs to stay comfortable. They want to get him as many reps as they can just to get him ready because he hasn't played football in a long time either. And if it's semi-close-ish, if it's a, still a three-score game in the midway through the fourth quarter, I think that you know, Peters is still going to be on the field, and that second quarterback would probably be Matt Robinson. So, of the other freshmen, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I wouldn't be mad if Isaiah Williams doesn't play. I mean, I'd also be excited if he does play just to see what he looks like a little bit in a real game, but I, I wouldn't go in thinking that Isaiah's going to get on the field. Well, and Rod finally admitted it, and somebody put it out there that Isaiah had a little bit of an injury. So you don't want to put him out there if he's hurt, right? Even if he's 70 80%, I wouldn't want to throw him out there. Uh, I'd, I'd make sure he's healthy before you get him out there. Um, I, Dale Von Campbell was an interesting one. He'd been on kickoff. Uh, Isaac, so I'm, I'm interested to see if he actually plays there. He's a little bit raw as a receiver, though, so I'd like to redshirt him. Um, so I, I think it'd be interesting to see him. And, and Devin Witherspoon, you might want to get him a couple reps because if you might need him at some point with the lack of scholarship cornerbacks on this roster. But I'm with you. I, I think Matt Robinson. I, I think Matt Robinson should get the snaps if if Brandon Peters comes out of the game because right now he's your number two quarterback, and I want that guy to get some more experience. Only only threw six passes last year and, and Rod gave the quote to us this week uh, it was pretty amazing he went back and looked at all the stats from last year's fall camp and looked at this year's fall camp and said Matt Robinson and A.J. Bush had basically the same completion percentage the same amount of touchdowns responsible for it's just Matt had I think it was 13 turnovers he was responsible for while A.J. had seven so he's not as good as A.J. Bush was last year but he's kind of on the similar track so I, I think people are thinking it's Isaiah Williams the backup but with that injury with Matt improving a lot, especially towards the end of the camp, Isaac. I, I think Matt's going to get on the field at some point. Hopefully he does. Yeah, no, 
Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, again, this isn't a bad thing for Isaiah Williams. I feel like I say that over and over again to people. It's not a bad thing that he doesn't play as a true freshman in game one. And, and he can develop and grow and get fully healthy and continue to, to be in Ron Smith's office as much as possible to see he's going to be the future quarterback. He's going to be very, very good in, in the future. But right now, he's not ready. And Brandon Peters and Matt Robinson give Illinois a best chance to move the football, score touchdowns, and win games. So, yeah, those, those are it. I, I think if I'm looking for one freshman to have the biggest impact, I'd, I'd love if it's Cumbie. Maybe he could take one back to the house just showcase that speed a little bit that would probably be my pick on like most impactful freshman on on saturday just because he has a chance to get the ball in his hands if i'm going second it's it's probably casey washington because he's improved a lot as a wide receiver i think that the, the wide receiver depth isn't very good right now especially after the injury to caleb reams that doesn't look like reams will play on, on saturday he was in a boot and a and, and he was using crutches to get around. So I don't expect him to play, which could open the door for Washington to get a lot more tick on Saturday, too. All right, good stuff, Isaac Trotter. We actually have a game. Uh, I'll see you in the press box on Saturday. Let's get it started, man. I'm excited. Can't wait. All right, we'll talk about it on the post-game podcast, our first one of the season. That's all coming up on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Enjoy the game, guys.